Many Christians are crippled in their walk with the Lord because they wrongly believe that God is relating to them on the basis of their righteousness instead of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, we could never in a billion trillion years come even close to being good enough for God. If we could, then we would have to get the glory, not God. Coming up next on Daily in Christ, the great importance of justification. And I welcome you to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Recently, I preached a message at my home church called Justified Forever. Today, we'll hear the first part of this message. It is important to understand that the biblical truth of justification by faith in Christ and his finished work is vital to successful God-honoring Christianity. This truth sparked the Reformation nearly 500 years ago. Its message has brought many to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, part one of Justified Forever. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. And and as we're praying, I want you just to keep your mind thought and engaged with the words we just sung in Christ alone. Thank you, Lord. No other hope is there than Christ alone. And with Him we have all. In the infinite dimensions of God. And Father, I pray today that we would see Him clearly. Father, that we would catch a greater glimpse of Your heart of love for us, radical, committed love that would go to such extreme ends to bring us to yourself, such extreme ends to bring us into cleanness and righteousness and holiness, such extreme ends to call us your children, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that by the Spirit you would just turn the light on in our hearts that we would see him more clearly, Father. And I thank you for every person who is here today and any person that might hear this message in the future by way of a recording. Bless their lives. I pray particularly for those who are strangers to you, Lord. May they be strangers no more. And may they come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, for the child of God, I pray that they would be so encouraged and blessed about the Father's heart for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I I faced what looks like the preacher's dilemma at the very beginning. It's not a dilemma with God. While we were worshiping, the Lord did a little bit of inline editing. You know what that is? Inline editing. It's basically, we're going to cut this out, we're going to put this in. And I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to go with that uh, because God knows what he's doing much better than I do. I'm really good at messing things up and he's really good at fixing things up. So what I'd like you to do is turn in your Bible to Zechariah chapter 3. Now, Zechariah is easy to find. It's right before the New Testament. And as you're going to Zechariah chapter 3, The title of this message is Justified Forever. 
And I want to ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being terrible, 10 being perfect, how's things between you and God? How, how's it going between you and God? What's your standing before God, scale of 1 to 10? 1 is terrible, 10 is... Now, you know, oh boy, that, all right, somebody's responded with two hands up high, 10? Let me ask a second question. Um, how about Jesus standing, scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, it's like 1,000, right? Now, there's a reason why he raised up all 10 fingers, and I'll, I'll bet you, brother, it's not because of your righteousness, right? Right. And, and that's the thing we want to key in on. So this first part, and I don't know, there might be other parts that the Lord's going to insert stuff, but this stuff right here at the very beginning, the Lord said we're going to do the beginning different. I'm going to let you know that justification is God giving you the same 1,000% standing that Jesus Christ has. It's more than not being guilty. When you think of a court of law, right, it's guilty or not or innocent, right? goes way beyond guilt and not guilty. Because if you're not guilty, you've basically walked out without something. And that is incarceration and all that bad stuff. But justification goes way beyond that. And what justification does is it gives you the same standing before God as Jesus Christ himself. The same fantastic standing. And I know that seems too good to be true, but get over it. It is good because it is true. That's the word. That's the gospel. Zechariah chapter 3, are you there? And, and just to set this up a little bit historically, this is at the time of the restoration and, and the endeavor to rebuild the temple. Zechariah, I'm sorry, Joshua is the high priest. Verse 1, he's standing before the angel of the Lord. Now this is intense. Because whenever the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord, we're talking about God's presence ground zero. This is someone who has been directly in the presence of God. And so this is what the prophet Zechariah sees. And he sees this interesting scene of the angel of the Lord, the high priest Joshua, and Satan. Satan standing at Joshua's right hand to oppose him. Satan is a Hebrew word. Do you know what it means? Accuser. He's really good at doing that thing that his name is. He is the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation, it says he accuses them day and night. And if you hear that voice of accusation, it's the voice of Satan himself, the accuser. And here's the high priest. Not anybody got into the place of high priest. Number one, they had to be born of the right tribe, the tribe of Levi, the priesthood Levitical tribe. They also had to fulfill many different duties. The person who became the high priest was like the top dog spiritually in the nation. And here we see this scene before the presence of God. Satan is right there at his right hand to oppose him. You know, the right hand is the place, uh, it symbolizes favor. And Satan has co-opted the position of favor and is casting accusations against him. And you know what? Satan is a liar. 
but I'm sure some of those accusations have a bit of a ring of truth. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You said this. You didn't do this right. You didn't pray enough. You didn't do this. Did you get this done? Did you not do this? This is the voice of the accuser. And the Lord, Yehovah, said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? That's significant. God speaks. The same voice that spoke the created order into being. Who took nothingness and through the power of his word created. And in Hebrews chapter 2 it says by that same mighty word he sustains and upholds the whole universe. God by his word holds the universe together. And so there's a voice that's ringing in the ears of the high priest. And did I tell you what his name was? Joshua. Or as we would say in Hebrew, Yahshua, which means God saves. God saves. Who else was called Joshua? Well, there's one at the time of the conquest after Moses, remember? And there's another one. The Greek interpretation of the name Joshua is Jesus. Jesus' name is Joshua. Thou shalt call him Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. Even the name the high priest had identifies himself with the solution. God is the Savior. God saves. God saves. And the Lord God speaks. There's this voice of the accuser unrelenting day and night. Some of you have come into this service today feeling dirty, feeling unworthy. And as you sing a chorus like, holy, 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 you realize he is holy, but you feel very unholy. Welcome to the crowd. Your holiness does not depend upon your performance. Your righteousness does not depend upon your righteousness. Your righteousness depends on the king of righteousness, God himself. And so the voice of God silences the accuser. You notice? You know, many Christians struggle in their walk. They have an up and down sort of roller coaster experience in their life. I made a decision. I like roller coasters in amusement parks. I do not want them in my life. Stability in your life comes from the Word of God. And when I'm feeling roller coaster-ish, when I feel unstable, the problem is I am not tuned into the Word of God. We need the Word. We need to allow this articulation, this voice of God to speak clearly to us. Because if we don't, our own little brains are saying things. The world around us is saying things. Our past is saying things. Our present is saying things. And Satan is saying things. But you silence the voice of the accuser with the voice of God. 
And that's exactly what happened. The Lord set the record right. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord. And then he says, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. The Lord has chosen. The Lord has chosen. Do you know how unworthy they were? Do you know why they went into captivity? <laughs> Not for pleasing God. They failed. At every point. The captivity, Babylon, first Syria overtaking the northern kingdom, Israel, the northern tribes. Isaiah was a contemporary of that time. A hundred years later, Jeremiah the prophet sees the southern kingdom, Judah, which includes Jerusalem, the holy city where the temple of God is, overtaken by the enemy. And they're hauled off captives. And every dream of the nation was lost burned in the burning of the temple. But the Lord had chosen Jerusalem. The Lord had chosen his people. And that's significant. It says the Lord has chosen Jerusalem, not because of their performance, not because they were good enough, but because God in his heart of goodness chose them. And is this not a brand plucked from fire? It's like, Reaching into a fire, you know, have you ever had a situation where maybe you started a fire and something got in there that shouldn't go in there? Oh my goodness, let's get it out before it burns. It's like that, preserved. Now Joshua, look at verse 3, was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Filthy garments. That's the story of Joshua, the high priest, in the final analysis failure. And we can feel like that before God. We can feel dirty and unclean. People struggle with this. But I want to let you know that when God does something, He does it right the first time. When it comes to cleanness, He does it. And He does it right the first time. And he's clothed with filthy garments. And he's standing before the presence of God, the angel. And then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. You see that God himself is doing this. Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity, your iniquity. You're wrong. Your sin. Your failure. Your past. I have removed your iniquity from you. But, but God does much more than that. Because the, the high priest has to be clothed, doesn't he? And I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head. And they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Now it goes on to say, and this is what happens in a life where we're clean, where we're made clean by God. We can walk in obedience, walk in the ways of the Lord. 
Look at this, verse 8. Hear, O Joshua, O high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. That's speaking of the Savior, Jesus. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. What day was that? It was a dark day in the same city of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary. When the darkness of sin and Satan obscured the light of the sun. And the Savior who had come and did everything right obeyed the Father fully from the moment of His, his conception, fulfilling every point of the law. Finally, He is up on the cross. He's dying. He's bleeding. He's sacrificing. The one who didn't offer a sacrifice he was the sacrifice, the lamb. He bled and said, it is finished. It is finished. All is accomplished. In one day, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Let me ask you something. When God gets something done, does He not get it done right the first time? I guess that's just what perfect does. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 10, you don't need to do this right now, but it connects the idea between an imperfect sacrifice, which was going on in the Old Testament because it was the blood of bulls and goats. That could never cleanse and remove sins. And it said... In the lack of a perfect sacrifice, the worshipers could never be made perfect, made complete, made clean. And so they had to be offered over and 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 over again. If you feel like you need to do certain things in your life over and over and over and over and over again to get you right with God, guess what? You've lost sight of what the rest of that says there in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says that but with a perfect sacrifice, there is no longer a need for additional sacrifice. Why? Because it's perfect. It's complete. How can you improve perfect? The whole book of Hebrews is a book of the New Covenant. I'm in the midst of a teaching series. I have a podcast that I try to get out once a week at the website dailyinchrist.org. You can download it. I've been going through Hebrews. I think I'm on part 38 right now. And I'll tell you what, it's just been blowing me away. Because Hebrews is about the perfect son, perfect high priest, who did all perfectly, born, conceived perfectly, lived perfectly, obeyed the Father perfectly, suffered perfectly, sacrificed perfectly, bled perfectly, died perfectly, rose perfectly, ascended perfectly, and is now reigning perfectly at the Father's perfect right hand. Can you improve perfect? You see, when you or me, in our thinking, think we've got a problem with God. We've lost sight of the perfection of the high priest and the perfection of the sacrifice. In one day, I will remove their iniquity. Do you know that under the old covenant with the 
blood of bulls and goats. And it was the mercy of God. It was just like a temporary arrangement. The sin was covered, okay? But covering sin is not God's due. God wants to get rid of it. And so under the new covenant, we have remission, which is the removal of sins. As it says in Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, it goes that far. God's not into the covering up business. He's in the business of getting rid of. And it all occurred on one day. One day. One day. Verse 10, in that day says the Lord of hosts. I love it. Lord of hosts means the Lord of the armies of heaven. It speaks of his strength, his ability. Everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. Speaks of new life and mission. Everyone going to his neighbor. I'm at that point where that was the inline part that the Lord did. And it's like, okay, now where do we go from here? Let's go back to Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23, I believe. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6, 5 and 6. Now, listen. At the time of Jeremiah, you remember there was the divided kingdom. Rehoboam, who was the son of Solomon, in his foolishness, uh, reigned foolishly, and, and the kingdom was divided. Ten kingdoms to the north, Israel. Two kingdoms, or rather two tribes to the south, Judah. And at the time of the captivity, the Syrians invaded the northern kingdom and took it over. And then within a hundred years, the Babylonians took, overtook the southern kingdom, Judah. And all was lost. Jeremiah, right, is known as the weeping prophet. And at the time of the Babylonian invasion, as that storm was brewing in their lives, there was a lot of men of God that were preaching and they were preaching peace and safety and, they were, and there were people living in, in abject sin. I mean, the level of sin was so bad at that time that, that people were offering their children to demon gods in the fire. They were burning them in the fire. The sin level had gotten so extreme that that's what had happened. And God had said... That if you don't walk with me, if you don't follow me, if you don't keep my commandments, you will be invaded. You will lose all. And that's what Jeremiah was saying. And for being a faithful prophet, preaching the word, delivering the word of God, which wasn't a happy word for the most part, he was thrown in prison, he was thrown in a dungeon, he was mistreated, and, and so forth. Even the the high religious leaders didn't like this guy, Jeremiah, anymore. And so, in the midst of man's worst, I mean, think about sin at such a level that you would sacrifice your own child in the fire? What kind of demonic twisting is that? 
What kind of wretchedness of psychology would produce that kind of effect? It was bad. Sin was black. The condition was black. And in the midst of all of the unrighteousness and failure, not just of heathen nations, but of the people of God, even the leaders of God, God speaks. And this is what he says in Jeremiah 23, beginning in verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. This is speaking of the Savior. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell in safety. Now this is his name, the name of God, by which he will be called. The Lord, our Righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. Now, do you notice that it didn't say the Lord is righteousness? That's true. It said the Lord, our righteousness. And what difference does that make? Our is the possessive pronoun, right? And so the name by which the Lord is identified here is the Lord our righteousness. Go ahead and put your name in there. The Lord, my righteousness. In the midst of the worst of man, we see that the Lord is revealed as our righteousness. Yes. You know, it's one thing for another person to be righteous and you're not. But it's another thing when by virtue of that person's righteousness, you become righteous. Now, no person can do that, human being, except one who is God. That's God-sized. And when it says the Lord our righteousness, I mentioned this in our retreat, that's the holy Lord is Jehovah. It means I am. God says, I am righteousness. You looking for righteousness, don't look for it within yourself, not even within your pastor. God says, I am righteousness. Yes. Amen. The revelation is that the Lord is your righteousness. The revelation is He is our righteousness. Will that righteousness ever fail? Will it ever dim? Will it ever flicker? No. That righteousness is as infinite as the greatness and goodness and holiness of God. It will not fade flicker, or fail. The Lord, our righteousness. Now turn to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 16. The thought is developed in an even more significant way. And remember, this is at a time of gloom and doom. Right in these verses, in the one hand, Jeremiah in the natural is looking and he sees the Babylonians swarming like cockroaches all over the holy city. They're laying the siege ramps. And the warriors are swarming up over, kind of like a whole bunch of bugs just coming over the wall. And they're desecrating the holy city. And they're heading for the temple. And that's what he sees in the natural. In the midst of hell on earth, God speaks the most amazing things. 
right here in Jeremiah 33, God reveals the new covenant. Yes. Amen. You've been listening to the first half of a message that I recently preached at my home church titled, Justified Forever. Next week, we'll bring you part two of this important message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible heart of love that desires to bring us into right relationship with you, into the full benefits of your love and grace through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, through the righteousness of another. Father, your word has gone forth today, and I pray that you by the Spirit would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that we would know you in a deeper way, that we would know the truth of the gospel, the truth of justification by grace. Lord, continue to guide us in your word. Continue to show us your heart of salvation and redemption. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Daily in Christ podcast. More information can be found at our website, dailyinchrist.org.